turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Welcome to the Situation Report today. Glad to have you joining me. This is the show where we do our very best to give you the information and perspectives you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. My name is Jeremy Stonlicker. Again, glad to have you joining. And today we are going to discuss something that I am sure you are aware is a problem. <laughs> it's at least a challenge if it's not a problem. Something definitely that has come into play culturally and across the culture uh, in ways that it never has before. Something we're all dealing with. What is that? It is social media and more specifically, it is teens and social media. I am of a generation, I'm 46 years old, and of a generation where as a teenager there was not social media. There was probably the internet. I remember when we got our first computer in our house and it was to do some basic word processing, certainly not connected to the internet. I remember then transitioning to dial up and how amazing that was. You get the AOL disc. You guys remember the AOL disc? You get that. You have to use that uh, to get on the internet. Everything was slow, but you didn't care because it was amazing. Things have changed so much since those days, of course, as it relates to the internet. And then with the addition of social media, a lot has also changed. How we communicate has changed. I still sometimes view social media as um, almost a game, a video game, something we do. Whereas a lot of people, different generations than me, look at these social media platforms as a part of their lives and a way to communicate with one another. Uh, my son, who is obviously much younger than me, he's in his early 20s, he prefers <laughs> to communicate to everyone through Instagram Messenger instead of using text. I'll send him a text. He won't get it for several days. I send him a message on Instagram. He gets it right away. Uh, the world has changed. How we communicate has changed. And young people have grown up in an environment where this is all they've ever known. Uh, even the use of cell phones. Again, as a young person, when cell phones came onto the scene, and they've been around a long time, but when individuals started more readily having access to cell phones and then the smartphones. So much changed so quickly. But young people, again, teenagers in particular, have not known a world without cell phones, have not known a world without smartphones, have not known a world without social media. So the question is, is that positive or is it negative? Is that a good thing or is it a bad thing? Today, we're going to talk about teens and social media uh, a little bit, just from a research standpoint. Uh, Pew Research has done quite a bit on this. Of course, a lot of people have researched this, but Pew has some great uh, statistics and some data on this that can help us navigate this. And then I want to jump over to another article um, entitled Perspective, It's Time to Treat Big Tech, big tech Like Big Tobacco, an interesting article 
that does not take a favorable view of teens and social media. And that was written by uh, Brad Wilcox and Riley Peterson. We'll jump over to that in just a second. That's a brand new article. Just came out this last week. But Pew gives us a lot of uh, great information as it relates to uh, specifically how teens use social media. We see young people on their phones all the time. I'll pause right there because I sound like an old man. <laughs> we see old people on their phones all the time as well. Um, this is not simply a teenage issue. Uh, but it is one that affects teens in a different way than uh, others, as I mentioned. So we'll look at teenagers. Uh, we see teenagers on their phones all the time. What are they looking at? What are they doing? Let me begin reading this article. And again, this is Pew Research, Teens, Social Media and Technology 2022. Um, and going back over last year. The landscape of social media is ever-changing, especially among teens who often are on the leading edge of this space. A new Pew Research Center survey of American teenagers, age 13 to 17, finds TikTok has rocketed in popularity since its North American debut several years ago, and now is a top social media platform for teens among the platforms covered in this survey. I'll pause there real quick. It's really interesting that TikTok is number one, particularly with as much conversation as there is, particularly here in the United States, around TikTok and uh, the fact that it is a Chinese company, uh, many companies, and even use in the federal government banning the use of TikTok because of its associations, and yet it is a number one social media platform. YouTube tops the 2022 teen online landscape among the platforms covered in the center's new survey, as it is used by 95% of teens. 95%. TikTok is next on the list of platforms that were asked about in this survey, 67% followed by Instagram and Snapchat, which are both used by about 6 in 10 teens. After those platforms come Facebook with 32%, and smaller shares who use Twitter, Twitch, WhatsApp, Reddit, and Tumblr. Changes in the social media landscape since 2014 and 15 extend beyond TikTok's rise and, fall, and Facebook's fall. Growing shares of teens say they are using Instagram and Snapchat since then. Conversely, Twitter and Tumblr saw declining shares of teens who report using their platforms. And two of the platforms the center tracked in the earlier survey, Vine and Google+, no longer exist. I'll pause right there. I, I can't help but feel really old reading these statistics and reading all this. Uh, I remember when I was trying to get into blogging and, and so forth. Someone recommended Tumblr to me. I couldn't even figure out how to spell it because it's not spelled right. <laughs> so I couldn't figure it out. Uh, and then Google Plus came online and everyone said, you've got to be on Google Plus. You have to be. That's where everyone's going to be. Uh, I think it lasted for um, a really short time and never got much traction. But platforms certainly come and go. I got on Twitter initially uh, because there was a group of teenagers that were going off to camp, a church camp. And that's how the youth pastor was going to communicate with the parents. And I was one of the parents, so I had to get a Twitter account and uh, felt like I was signing on the dotted line of a, a contract given by the devil or something. <laughs> I didn't know what was happening, but got on there and uh, it's been all downhill since then. So much has changed. The article continues. There are some notable demographic differences in teens' social media choices. For example, teen boys are more likely than teen girls to say they use YouTube, Twitch, and Reddit. Whereas teen girls are more likely than teen boys to use TikTok, Instagram, and Snapchat. In addition, higher shares of black and Hispanic teens report using TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, and WhatsApp compared with white teens. 
The study also explores the frequency with which teens are on each of the top five online platforms, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat, and Facebook. Fully 35% of teens say they are using at least one of them almost constantly. Almost constantly is in quotes. That was actually a choice on the survey. 35% of teens say they are using at least one of these big five platforms almost constantly. Teen TikTok and Snapchat users are particularly engaged with these platforms, followed by teen YouTube users in close pursuit. A quarter of teens who use Snapchat or TikTok say they use these apps almost constantly, and a fifth of teen YouTube users say the same. When looking at teens overall, 19% say they use YouTube almost constantly, 16% say this about TikTok, and 15% about Snapchat. That is unbelievable. Think about what's being communicated here, and I'll get back to some of the findings. Have you ever picked up a towel set because it felt really soft in the store, but then when you got to use it, it's not very absorbent? It's basically a towel that's leaving you out to dry. That's why MyPillow has developed the MyPillow Towels. Towels that work. I know, it's mind-blowing. Towels that actually dry you. Their six-piece towel set includes two bath towels, two hand towels, and two washcloths. They come in a variety of colors, and right now you can receive a six-piece set for only $39.98 with promo code SITREP. Go to MyPillow.com right now and click on the radio listener special. MyPillow products all come with a 10-year warranty and their 60-day money-back guarantee. To receive this amazing offer on the six-piece set of MyPillow towels, just go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener special, and enter promo code SITREP or call 800-870-0283. That's MyPillow.com, promo code SITREP. A large percentage of teenagers, this is 13 to 18, uh, we could probably push this out to uh, some in the adolescent category, 11, 12, 13, uh, a little bit beyond that 18 into 19, 20, 21, early 20s. These folks are using these social media platforms that is communicating all manner of information. Many of them say, nearly 50% of them say, almost constantly. What does that mean? What does almost constantly mean? Uh, a good question for parents who have children. <laughs> Uh, the article continues, when reflecting on the amount of time they spend on social media generally, a majority of U.S. teens, 55%, say they spend about the right amount of time on these apps and sites, while about a third of teens, 36%, say they spend too much time on social media. Just 8% of teens think they spend too little time on these platforms. Uh, this is great. Um, I love teenagers. I'm not sure they are the best at determining what is uh, enough, what is too much. Uh, but 55%, thankfully, say they spend just about the right amount of time, whatever that is. Asked about the idea of giving up social media, 54% of teens say it would be at least somewhat hard to give it up, while 46% say it would be at least somewhat easy. Teen girls are more likely than teen boys to express it would be difficult to give up social media, 58% versus 49%. Conversely, a quarter of teen boys say giving up social media would be very easy, while 15% of girls uh, of teen girls say the same. Older teens also say they would have difficulty giving up social media. About 6 in 10 teens ages 15 to 17, 58%, say giving up social media would be at least somewhat difficult to do. A smaller share, 13 to 14-year-olds, 48%, think this would be difficult. 
Beyond just online platforms, the new survey finds that the vast majority of teens have access to digital devices such as smartphones. That's 95%. 95% of teens have access to smartphones. Desktop or laptop computers, that's 90%. And gaming consoles, 80%. And the study shows that there has been an uptick in daily teen internet uh, users from 92% in 2014 to 97% today. In addition, the share of teens who say they are online almost constantly has roughly doubled since 2014 and 15. These are some of the findings from an online survey of 1,316 teens conducted by the Pew Research Center from April 14th to May 4th, 2022. More details about the findings on adoption and use of digital technologies by teens are covered below. And they break this down. This Pew Research study is uh, is fascinating. It's very interesting. I would encourage you to go and take a look at it. I won't read the whole thing. It is very, very long. But the conclusion that we can uh, come to, and this is a long article, of course, a lot of great data. Uh, The conclusion that we can come to, I think, is that whether you see this as a problem or simply part of what it is to live in the modern age, there really is no going back. Teenagers are so connected to technology. Teenagers are so connected not only to technology, but specific social media platforms, uh, that whether it's good or bad, we need to have our eyes open and understand what the upside is and what the downside is. We need to have the ability to navigate with our kids how much is enough, how much is too much, how can they communicate outside of these social media platforms with others. We've all heard crazy stories uh, of young people, uh, teenagers, some earlier than even their uh, early teens, taking their lives because of something that happened on social media, because of bullying on social media. Uh, real problems can exist. Now, uh, I will acknowledge and I want to be clear that I don't believe using social media is inherently or intrinsically bad. I don't think it's good or bad. I don't think it has um, a a good purpose or a bad purpose. I think it can be used for either purpose. Uh, So many, even in countries that are closed to uh, understanding the Bible and religion and Christianity, have received incredible information, have learned about these very important issues through social media, because they have access to social media. That's a good use. Many people have been encouraged on social media. Good use. Uh, Bringing groups together. Great use. Communities. Having a way to communicate. Great use. On the other side, there is bullying. There is hurt. There is uh, really this propensity for comparison and That can make a user feel bad because of what they're seeing on social media. We could then get into uh, some of the sexually deviant things that happen using social media platforms. So it's not good or bad. It's really about how it's used. And what we need to teach our kids, teach our young children as they get into adolescence and and their teen years is how to use social media in a way that can benefit them, that can encourage them, that can be fun to use, that can connect them, but that does not dominate their lives or drive the decisions that they make in their lives. Very important for us to get a hold of that. What we can't do as parents is simply say, well, this is just the way it is. 95% of kids have access to smartphones, uh, and that's just how it is, and we're going to let it go. We can't take that approach because they will 
young people naturally drift into hurtful behaviors and content that is not good for them. So we need to help them navigate that. We need to help them understand what that looks like. That takes me to another article, Perspective. It's time to treat big tech like big tobacco. That's a great title right there. It grabs you, right? Treat big tech like big tobacco. The um, subtitle, A Mounting Body of Evidence Suggests That Social Media Contributes to the Skyrocketing rate, Rates of Anxiety and Depression Among Teens. Um, again, this was written by Brad Wilcox and Riley Peterson, released January 18th of this year, 2023. So not too old, just a couple of days. Uh, let me read some of this article and I'll say it one more time. This is obviously a negative take on social media use among teenagers, uh, but this is a take. This is the one that I think most often parents um, pretend doesn't exist. And so I'm going to share this with you because it's helpful to have the right perspective on what can happen, the negative or the downside. This is not to say pretend like social media is not a part of your kids' lives or it you know, won't be a part of their lives in the future, that they can get away from it. That's not what I'm suggesting. Uh, I'm just suggesting know the downside, know what is possible, and help them grow through this and use it in the right way. Let me read from this article. Um, I'll just jump into it. There's a lot I want to say, but I'll just jump into it. Imagine if a white, uh, if a man in a white panel van, not a white man, I got that backwards. Imagine if a man in a white panel van pulled up in your neighborhood and began enticing teens to look at pictures and videos featuring drug use, pornography, and a range of other antisocial activities. In many neighborhoods, he'd be in handcuffs within the hour. And yet, strangely enough, Mark Zuckerberg, Xiao Zi Chu, and Sundar Pichai <laughs> do almost the same thing online at Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. If I said any of their names wrong, I apologize to them publicly. It was not intentional. They do the same things on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube where they have virtually unimpeded access to the neighborhood teens and manage to make billions of dollars poisoning their hearts and minds. This is a strange moment we are living in. A moment where we still let big tech push products on our teens that, as the Facebook files suggested, make them anxious, depressed, and suicidal, among other pathologies. We're at a moment with big tech, much like we were with big tobacco in the 70s, when the studies were rolling in documenting the medical risks associated with smoking. But the government had not yet stepped in aggressively to limit smoking. In the past decade, anxiety, depression, and teen suicide have surged, especially among girls, since the mass adoption of smartphones around 2010. Depression more than doubled from 12% in 2010 to 26% today for teen girls. Doubled. Unbelievable. Emergency room visits for self-inflicted injuries almost doubled over the same period, again, for teen girls. And teen suicide among girls has risen to a 40-year high. These are troubling numbers. A mounting, uh, a mounting body of evidence indicates that big tech is heavily implicated in the skyrocketing psychological problems of our nation's adolescence. One recent study found that teens who devote more than eight hours a day to screen time were about twice as likely to be depressed as their peers who were on screens less often than that. Now, again, I'll pause. Let's reflect on our Pew Research study just a moment ago. 35% of teenagers said that they are on a social media platform, at least one of the big five, almost constantly. 
The study that we're reading right now uh, says that teens who devote more than eight hours a day to screen time were about twice as likely to be depressed as their peers who were on screens less often than that. Eight hours a day, twice as likely to be depressed, and 35% of teens say they are on a social media platform almost constantly. That's a problem. The study is sponsored by the Institute for Family Studies and the Wheatley Institute and co-authored by us, that is the authors, also discovered that teens who have high-tech use were almost twice as likely to report being lonely and about 30% more likely to be sleep-deprived. These are extremely troubling numbers. Continuing, social media appears to be especially problematic for today's teens. Excessive time on social media has been linked to fear of missing out cyberbullying, emotional insecurity, and body image problems. The time devoted to social media also inhibits in-person socializing, exercise, and sleep, all of which are crucial for adolescents' emotional well-being. Research by psychologist Jean Twang found, for instance, that the share of teens who went on dates has fallen by almost 30 percentage points in recent years, and that the number of times teens hang out with friends fell by about 20% from 2007 to 2015. As long as teens are scrolling through Instagram more and hanging in person with their friends less, depression is likely to remain at historically high levels, noted Twing. Of course, just as Big Tobacco had its defenders as as, uh, debates about the tobacco cancer link first erupted, Big Tech has its defenders today. For example, Harvard social scientist Mesfin Bekalu, let me pause right here. If you're in technology, your name is probably too hard to say. I don't know why every name. Good night. All right. Mesfin Bekalu argued that routine social media use could be beneficial. A sentiment echoed by Zuckerberg in his claim that Instagram is generally positive for kids' mental health. While all social scientists know that correlation does not equal causation, there is growing evidence that the negative impact of technology on teens is indeed causal. In fact, new studies of the uh, rollout of branded internet in Germany and Italy show the penetration of the internet into ordinary communities across the countries fueled emotional problems among the young, especially young women, providing the strongest evidence to date that it really is big tech, not something else making us miserable. Um, I could continue reading through all of this, and and there's a lot here. Again, I would love for you to take some time to check out this article, Perspective. It's time to treat big tech like big tobacco, written by Brad Wilcox and Riley Peterson. I found this on the Desert News website. Um, It's in other places, of course, but you can find that. Uh, The conclusion here that they are making is that just as what was once commonly used without question by teenagers, in this case tobacco, was outlawed, was legislated against because of data, because of studies and research that indicated how harmful smoking was for young people and teenagers. Uh, It's harmful for all people, as is some of what is found on the internet, but Teenagers, particularly, who have access to uh, things like cigarettes don't necessarily have the ability to navigate whether or not this is good for them and push back on social pressure to use something that is, we know, harmful. Uh, The conclusion, of course, of this article is that the internet, internet use, social media use in particular, is the same. People who are older 
can hurt themselves just as much as people who are younger, experiencing levels of depression, uh, that fear of missing out, driving decisions that would other, uh, otherwise not be made, uh, isolation and loneliness. All of these can happen regardless of how old you are. But when a young person is still de developing, their brain is still developing, their ability to socialize is still developing, their worldview around relationships and how to interact with the people in their lives, whether it's at school or at work or in their home, all of that is still developing. The damage that can be done if unfiltered is much greater than potentially what an adult who's making decisions for themselves uh, can experience. It's an interesting perspective. Now, I will step back and say this. I do believe that cigarette use is always damaging. <laughs> Tobacco use always has a downside. Uh, and I'm not saying a person shouldn't be free to do what they want to, to smoke a, a cigarette if they want to, to use tobacco if they want to. Uh, but we recognize that there is a downside and it's consistent. Um, there is not a, a good use or a bad use. It's not that type of situation. Social media can be used for great good, as I've already talked about, but it can be extremely damaging. To me, this is not a question of should the government get more involved? Unfortunately, that's the conversation that we're having. But the real question should be about how involved parents are in the lives of their teenagers. When a parent puts something in the hands of their child, anything, if there is a risk or a danger with placing that in the hands of their child, the parent should ask the question, is there a greater upside than downside? Is there a reason the child needs this? And if there is potential harm associated with this object that I've placed in their hands, how can I negate that? How can I teach that child to use the object in a way that will be used for good and not cause them harm. We cannot put our children in a bubble. We cannot keep all potential harm away from them. But what we as parents can do is be very involved in their lives. What we as parents can do is help them to understand the downside. Also helping them to understand how to use whatever that is for good. So it is with social media. If you are giving your children unfettered use to social media, then you can expect, expect there to be a negative impact on their lives. Uh, negative, even uh, either in how they feel about themselves or how they treat others. Uh, negative in what they are consuming and the worldview that they are developing. Uh, we often on this show talk about having the right worldview, having a, a biblical worldview, understanding uh, how we should operate, how we should function in the world from the perspective of the Bible. Why? Because the Bible was given to us by the Creator, the Creator, uh, creator who created us, it's in the name, <laughs> with design and purpose, with function. He knows how he wanted us to operate. And he gave us the Bible to help us understand that historically and practically, to know what we should do and what we're wired to do and how we should relate to one another. A biblical worldview is taking that and looking at the world through that lens, trying to see things through that lens, navigating what's going on in culture through the lens of the Bible so that we can function the way we were created to function, even in a world that is broken. We need to have a biblical worldview. 
We need to bring a biblical worldview into our homes and help our kids to see the world from that perspective as well. Technology is not bad. In fact, it can be extremely powerful. It can be used for great good, and it should. I've recently talked to my kids about using technology, using social media for good. It can be fun. Videos can be made that are funny somehow, that are fun, whatever. There's nothing wrong with that. But it can also be used for good because it is an opportunity. It's a gateway to reach people that you might not reach otherwise with a message that is important to you. And you can communicate that way, a message in a way that's clever, that is uh, even humorous, that is serious, whatever your personality and perspective is. But you have the opportunity, very low-cost opportunity, uh, easy, low-barrier-to-entry opportunity to communicate to an audience you would not otherwise communicate to. A message that's important, that's great. What stewardship opportunity you have as a person to use a message that you've been given uh, for others. It's great. It's fantastic. But you need to help your kids get to the place where they understand technology in that way. Technology is created for communication. Social media specifically has been created to keep us on the platform, (laughs) to connect to our emotions, to function in a way that brings us back again and again and again. Addiction to social media is real. So we can't depend on the platforms themselves to get our kids to the place they need to be. It automates in a way that does whatever is necessary to keep the user, who may be a teenager, engaged with the content. And many say they're engaged all the time. If we as parents will take seriously our responsibility to help our children and the young people in our lives know how to function in this world, then issues like this, depression and loneliness, self-harm, hospitalization because of self-harm, teen suicide. These issues are issues that can be dealt with. Can the government do something? Of course, the government can do something. The government is always doing something. Will it be effective? Probably not. That's my opinion. But the government can do something. Whether or not the government can be effective in dealing with this does not change, however, The principal perspective of this article, which is there is an extreme downside to social media use for teenagers if left unguarded, unmetered, unfettered, and without accountability or oversight. We need parents who are willing to do the hard work of knowing what their kids are doing, what they're viewing what they're consuming, who they're talking to, and helping them to navigate the ups and downs of social media life. Now, I have four kids. These are issues that we have dealt with. Um, We have sometimes dealt with it well, sometimes not so well. We've had to take social media away from kids. We have had to take smartphones away from kids for a long time. I had one of my kids who I will not name. (laughs) I had uh, their smartphone locked in my safe for a long time. 
because we were dealing with some of the downside, the negative side of uh, social media, some of these platforms. There is not a perfect solution or a perfect answer. But the path forward to navigate a world that is increasingly connected is to be engaged with your kids. Don't let them do what everyone else is doing because everyone else is doing it. Don't buy into the, well, this is what the other kids are doing, or it's going to be okay, or this is just how it is now, or there's nothing I can do to change this. You can't change what's happening around your child, but you can help them, as a parent should, to understand what is best. And to that end, I want to encourage you, again, social media use. I use social media. Uh, you're listening to a podcast that is on a platform of some kind, perhaps connected to a social media platform. Uh, we have a YouTube channel that I encourage you to go to all of the time. A lot of great content, a lot of great opportunity, but it needs to be used well. There is a downside. Don't pretend there's not. Don't pretend your kid's going to be okay uh, on their own. They need you. They need a parent. Keep them from running in the middle of a busy street. <laughs> Keep them from uh, hurting themselves or jumping off of buildings. Keep them from running into the dangerous middle street of social media. Use the opportunities that you can uh, to really help them. And uh, that will go a long, long way in their lives. I really do appreciate you listening and or watching. Uh, we do our best to provide the information and perspectives you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. And uh, I'm thankful to have you along for the journey. Please share this content out with others. Uh, these are conversations that parents need to think about. A lot of folks need to think about, and uh, I hope that you will get on board and uh, help your kids navigate in the right way, help parents that you know that are struggling with this, uh, get them the information they need so they can make good decisions, and that would be fantastic. If you're not yet subscribed to this podcast, please do that right now. Subscribe from wherever it is you are listening from, and then take some time, go over to YouTube. We're just talking about social media platforms. Go to YouTube. A lot of folks there <laughs> watching a lot of videos, listening to a lot of content. It's a great place for you to be as well. Subscribe to the Situation Report YouTube channel on YouTube, of course. Go to YouTube, search for The Situation Report. You can uh, subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell, leave us a comment, stay connected, and uh, we would love to uh, push positive, good information your direction. Thank you again for watching. If you're watching on YouTube and or listening, appreciate you also sharing this out with others. Look forward to talking to you next time. Many of you know that my day job is working for an organization called the Mighty Oaks Foundation. I've had the opportunity to work with the Mighty Oaks Foundation for a little over 10 years now and very grateful for that opportunity. I served in the United States Marine Corps and left in 2003. When I came back from Iraq and got out of the Marine Corps, I transitioned and had some of the same struggles that many of our veterans today have. Uh, that transition time can be very, very difficult. I moved on with the help and support of my family and others in my close-knit community and really, in many ways, tried to walk away from my service. It was too hard, too difficult for me to look back, to remember, to stay connected, and so I chose not to. 
About 10 years after I walked away, I was reconnected with many of the men that I had served with uh, in Iraq and even before that Iraq deployment and came to understand that so many of the men that I served with did not do well. I came home and I struggled, but I had a family around me and I had a community around me that helped me to get back on my feet and continue moving forward. So many of those that I had served with, however, did not have the same opportunity. They came home and didn't have that family around them, that community that could lift them up. And so they made some decisions, decisions that we talk about often in the veteran community. I was reminded about 10 years after my service that some of the men that I served with in Iraq came home and struggled and decided that it would be best for them to end their lives. Others who had not taken their lives, but who had struggled from one relationship to the next, from one job to another, and had never really gotten back on their feet. I learned after 10 years that walking away from my military service was not really an option. (laughs) You see, we think we can hang our uniform in the closet for the last time and walk away, but our obligation to those that we served with remains. It was at that time that I had the opportunity to get connected to the Mighty Oaks Foundation. It was just getting started. I met our founder, Chad Robichaux, and together we began to work on what is today a national nonprofit serving veterans, active duty service members, and more and more the first responders in our community. That's what we do. You see, Chad served in the Marine Corps as well, and both of us have an understanding, and so many of the folks, many, many folks that work with us now who served in the military and in the first responder community understand that we may get out, we may hang the uniform up, but we still have an obligation to care for those who have served or are serving. That's exactly what we do at the Mighty Oaks Foundation every single day. We run programs across the country for those who have served, veterans, or are serving, active duty service members, those who are serving in their community as first responders, police officers and firefighters, and others in that first responder community. We serve them by helping them to understand that there is life beyond their service, that their identity should be wrapped up in more than a uniform or a job that they've done or are doing, that there is a purpose, that there is a plan. In fact, that God, the creator, has something he intends for them. And that if they'll simply align their lives to the life that he has for them, so much of the trauma, so much of the difficulty, so much of their past, so many of those things that have a hold on them, they may not go away, but they won't maintain the hold and the control. Here's the message we try to convey and communicate. There is hope. And there is a community of people found within the Mighty Oaks Foundation that understand where you've been because we've been there. We don't have it all figured out. We're certainly not perfect, but we've taken some steps to move forward and we want to take you with us. That's what we do. How do we do that? Again, by communicating the fact that there is hope, by connecting with others who've been there and know how to move forward and by getting around you and supporting you as you begin to take those very important steps yourself. The Mighty Oaks Foundation is blessed to have supporters across the country that make it possible for us to do the work that we do at no cost to the veteran, the active duty service member, or the first responder. For you to attend our program, you simply need to set aside five days and come to one of our locations, one of our facilities. We'll do the rest. There will be no cost to you for the program, no cost for the transportation to get you to the program. We do all of the planning and all of the logistics. You simply need to get there. We want to remove every obstacle for you to get the help, the encouragement, the strengthening, <laughs> the hope, the renewal that you need.
We're thankful for the opportunity to do that. Perhaps you are not a veteran or a service member. You're not in the first responder community, but you care about those who have served and are serving our communities. Well, you may fall into the other category then. Perhaps you're someone that can support what we do financially to make it possible for those folks to come along. Maybe your support is not financial support, but you know someone in your community, in your town, in your church, uh, in a club, or something else that you're a part of that could use this kind of support and encouragement. Plug them in. Let us help them. Let us get them on the road. No cost to them. We want to do the work, but we need you to get them to us. That was a lot of words. If you listen to the show, you know I say a lot of words sometimes. So let me point you to the one place where you can get all your questions answered. MightyOaksPrograms.org is our website. MightyOaksPrograms.org. There you will find more information about what we do as an organization. There's an application for those who would like to apply. Fill that application out. Our team will get back to you, set everything else up. If you would like to support the work of the Mighty Oaks Foundation, you'll find a place to do that there as well. And there is also a section for resources. So many of you know people who need help but may not start by coming to a program, attending a program, but they would read a book, they would watch a video, they would listen to a testimony. We have those resources there for you as well. So please come and join us at the Mighty Oaks Foundation's website, mightyoaksprograms.org. Our veterans, active duty members, and first responders need our support. Maybe you're in that category. You need our support. And that begins by going to the Mighty Oaks Programs website, mightyoaksprograms.org.